when you as an individual can share your broader interests, what you do outside of work, it gives a greater context of not just who you are, but maybe some of those dynamics that could be impacting what you do at work in a positive way, or maybe there's some things that may be limiting you, not that you don't want to, but maybe you just have certain commitments that are important to your life, but we have been taught very much to hide them. This is the Sustainable Ambition Podcast, and I'm your host, Kathy Onetto. Here I explore how to embrace our ambitions across both life and work, from life stage to life stage, and how to be ambitious while experiencing more joy and ease along the way. As we get to the end of this first month of the year, I hope you're up for some additional inspiration to set your intentions for the year ahead as you think about your life and work. To help us do that, I'm joined today by Connie Steele, a future of work and life expert and management consultant focused on the voice of the changing workforce. Connie guides leaders in driving workforce development and engagement strategies, as well as building their brand. She and her research team have assessed and measured what it takes to be successful in this new world of work and life, and the implications for individuals and organizations alike. Connie is also the author of Building the Business of You the first book to help professionals navigate the new world of work while aligning personal purpose and professional advancement. Her goal is to help people understand their skills, talents, and interests, and provide a long-term strategic approach for them to plan and implement their career mashup, the career of the future. In today's episode, you'll hear how what we want from work is shifting, why Connie says the future is fluid and how to think about that for yourself, and why knowing ourselves is important to help us succeed in this new world of work. What we discuss is important for both navigating your own career and also if you are leading others. Let's learn more about the future of work and life with Connie Steele. Welcome back, everyone. I'm so excited to be joined today by Connie Steele. Connie has studied shifting workplace trends for over a decade. She helps individuals and organizations make sense of this new environment and craft strategies that ensure they can thrive at work and beyond. She conducts the annual State of Work and Career Success Research, and she's the host of the Strategic Momentum Podcast. Connie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. I've been really looking forward to this conversation. And I did just want to start actually with, because this was a career pivot for you. So what brought you to want to explore the future of work and what it means for advancing our careers in today's time period? Well, none of this was planned, to be perfectly honest. Um, I didn't set out to dive into this space. I'd always been interested in it because there was a consultant I'd work with over a decade ago who had talked about what the future of small businesses were going to be, what the future of really independence was going to be. And I was so fascinated by it. That all said, it stuck in my head that, okay, inevitably things will be changing, but really the catalyst behind this was my own podcast. I wanted to understand what got people stuck and more importantly, what did it take or how did they break free or break through that inertia? Because I think so many times we often know the what, but we don't know the how. 
And as I started interviewing people across different disciplines, across different industries, um, and they had different roles, what was interesting is that they all had relatively nonlinear career journeys. But what was also interesting is how they were approaching finding that career that they were in now that made them really happy, but also their evolution of how they were kind of defining success for themselves in terms of where they started and where they were ending up. And in particular, there were those who are younger in their career, so millennials at the time, they were truly thinking about careers differently. And in fact, when I started my podcast, it was some of those millennials that reached out to me and said, hey, you know what? I really learned a lot from your podcast. Um, Thank you for helping me. I'm like, wait, really wasn't targeted towards you originally. Where are you getting your insight from? Where do you go for help? That just opened up a desire to find out, wait a second, where is this next generation going for support? And what is it that they want to do? Because clearly at that time we had learned so much about nonlinear career journeys and why they wouldn't stay and you know why are they doing why are they zigging and zagging and so forth. So I just got really interested and ultimately obsessed. So to start researching things, um, interviewing more people, doing more of my own focus groups, and I realized, wait, there's something much much bigger happening. And how come nobody's talking about it? Because future of work at the time was all about tech really just tech oriented. But I was realizing, wait a second, no, 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 no. The future of work is really about how people's attitudes, behaviors, beliefs, motivations were shifting and that it was only going to continue to shift because if you look at the demography of things, right, you have these two younger generations fundamentally think differently and approach their life differently than we do as Gen Xers <laughs> and also boomers are very different than Gen Zs and millennials. I'm like, oh, this is a wave that's coming. It's absolutely coming. And this would have come regardless of the pandemic or not. So uh, long story short, <laughs> wasn't planned, but it was really through these stories of people and piecing it together and realizing there are some interesting trends that are happening. And I just wanted to be able to share the insight that I was gaining so that people didn't feel alone and that they knew something else was coming. I love this. And this is the market researcher in you and being able to hear this and see the threads and pull through the insights. You characterize the future of work as being fluid. What do you mean by fluid? And I'm curious how that then relates to these other generations and what you are seeing within how they're looking at work that aligns with that kind of concept. When I mean the future is fluid, or it's really about fluidity, if you think about it, where we are now, (laughs) it's kind of been realized. Where we work, when we work, possibly who we work for, the goals that we have, they're not fixed anymore, right? I think they're quite expansive, and I think they're always going to be changing. The processes and even approaches that we take towards work in our life, they're not very um, kind of linear and straight and, and rigid. They're more agile. Right, So this whole notion of being agile at work and having agile processes is one that is fluid versus a more 
we'll use a CPG term, like stage gate, <laughs> critical pathing, or waterfall. It's like we've got this milestone, we do this thing, and then this milestone. But in terms of things being fluid, that's what I mean, is that we are now in a world where nothing really is fixed for a very long period of time. So fluidity is also, I believe, reflective of our own identity. And that aha moment for me was as I was looking at my kids, their generation, those that have had the courage to come out and state what their identity is very early on. (laughs) And the thing is, it will change. (laughs) And what I'm seeing is that they might identify in one aspect, one year, and then a few years later, all of a sudden it shifts and then it may shift again. And so if we think about projecting that forward, wow, your own identity is going to be influential in how you potentially approach work or where you want to work and what you want to do. So when I was looking at this, it's very holistic in that as individuals, we're fluid because of the roles that we have. We're not just, you know, a professional, like you're not just a podcaster, right? You are so many other things and you probably context switch all the time between them. You have to be fluid in going from one thing to another thing to another thing. So um, yeah, it's, it's that really kind of holistic picture of who we are as individuals and how we as individuals operate in this new world <laughs> is where that notion of fluidity came from. And you know, I was inspired by the stories I heard from people, but also seeing what we're reflecting um, in society. So I'll give you in a few examples. You think about stores, there's a store within a store. You think of exercises or, or fitness. They're combinations of things, right? You're switching between different sort of routines or even vacations and stuff. So it's, it's really like what you see is this interesting hybridization and mix of everything. So it all kind of, again, reflects this level of fluidity. Part of what you're saying is about change and being more comfortable with change. And yet I think fluid takes it beyond that. And I, what I think is really powerful about this and is hopeful in it is that for those of us in, in you know, later generations or at an older stage now, you know, we were told to find a path. And my, my concern is that people are still told that, you know, almost like find that path and get on it and keep going. And yet it kind of does us a disservice because it makes us nervous about when things start to get rocky and when you start to realize like, oh, this path isn't quite it anymore. What now? And it's a stressful time period. And yet what you're describing and is what's hopeful in it to me is this idea that younger generations are much more comfortable with this. And this is important. You know, you probably know Hermione Barr's um, book on working identity, you know, and how career change is about shifting our identities and that that can take time. But if young people are much more comfortable with being fluid with that identity and being like, well, I was trying this now and it's not working anymore. So I'm just going to now step over here and try this now. Like that I think is is a great thing, right? If if people can embrace that more and feel a lot more comfortable in doing that, that's going to serve them well going forward in crafting a life, in crafting their work within that. Because as we know, the world changes and our lives change. And we, of course, are part of our lives. I mean, we change along with it, right? And so 
being able to embrace that sense of fluidity, I think can be really powerful. So I appreciate you naming this, Connie. (laughs) Thank you. Well, you know, when I thought about what is an overarching term that could really meld together this sort of work and life aspect, because we've heard this a lot, right? That work and life are integrated. I think in particular, that became um, more real for a broader set of individuals. It was very clear for you know millennials and Gen Z. I mean, they've they've always sort of seen it that way, but it was more of a foreign concept, I think, for those of us who grew up in at a different time. So, you know, knowing that, I think I wanted to be able to name it something, kind of like how Carol Dweck has said growth mindset, right? Like I knew there was something there. And yes, your point that those that are um, younger, they're so comfortable with shifting dynamics um, and that they want to be able to test, learn, iterate. That that idea for them is just so innate. And I think they also never want to stop learning because they have a level of access to information They have the opportunity to master, or in their minds, master anything they want with such low barriers to entry now. And they also have a breadth of opportunity to pursue so many different types of interests, potentially career paths, maybe it's a hobby, but they have really routes and paths to take that they can parallel path that we never had. So they don't really look at you know, their life or their career is one lane, I think they inherently see multiple streams and see that they can pursue all of them at the same time. It's no longer an or situation, which is what we had. You have to pick one or the other. They see it as this and this and this. So because it's that and situation, they're fluidly bouncing between these different paths. Some may work, some may not. But that's what they see. That's what they've grown up with. And I'd say another thing is a comfort level with change and somewhat uncertainty is something that I think is more innately embraced by them. It's interesting. I think about that even from, you know, just the parenting perspective. I'm an auntie, I'm not a parent, but for parents that are guiding their kids, they want more certainty, but perhaps their kids are more comfortable with that uncertainty. That's something that we kind of have to navigate. And I also even think about within companies, you know, what you're helping me realize is I don't know if companies have adjusted enough around how they think about people shaping their careers based on this idea of fluidity. And I'm curious, you know, you're kind of hinting at this in terms of what people naturally do if they're wired this way, but if they aren't, or if I think the world around us is kind of calling us to function in this way, perhaps this maybe was a better way to always be functioning anyway, or at least the mindset based on the realities of how we change over time. I'm wondering how you think about or some tips that you think about when you counsel people around navigating careers in this world of fluidity? Well, I think when it comes to navigating careers, which is challenging, right? Because I think people's definition of what a career is has evolved too. And what they want out of a career has evolved. People are searching for fulfillment. 
They're searching for happiness, or at least that's a goal of theirs. They want to find meaning and purpose in what it is they do. You hear that a lot. That's shifted from how they saw a career which has been more focused around so those traditional uh, metrics of money, title, power. But in light of that, how you need to think about your career is one, it comes down to really understanding you and doing that kind of analysis, right? So think of yourself. This kind of gets into some of the, the aspects of the book, but how you need to start looking at career is that you kind of need to look at yourself now as a product or service on the web. I mean, ultimately you are a business yourself. You are a brand, whether you like it or not. And that's hard, honestly, to to really think of yourself that way is not easy. You know, you're a brand person, <laughs> you know, and I, I you know, I've been a brand person. It is absolutely not easy because it requires you to really know what you're about what your skills, what your unique value is and what you want to stand for. Um, so you know that key thing is as you start to think about, well, how do I navigate my career? Well, it starts to one, recognize that you again are a product and service, you're, you're a business. So you have to look at yourself as a CEO of you. And then as a CEO and as a business entity, what do you do every year? You do strategic planning, right? It's not something that we do for ourselves. At least most people I've talked to, I know that I haven't always fully done that. I've I've done a plan, but it's been, it, it was that linear, sequential career progression upward. That was the plan. It wasn't more broad of, wait, what is it that I really want out of my life? How does work fit into that? What is the um, right sort of approach or, or, or what is the right role or environment and then saying, all right, well, wait, how can I craft the right strategies or what are the right strategies to help me get there? And then technically, what do I do? But that all starts with this really important trend spotting that you have to do with yourself on, wait, what is it that interests me? Where's the market going? And what are other people doing and what environments fit me best and why? What have I enjoyed? Um, what have I not enjoyed? What have I learned? And so it's a lot of that, that a lot of times we just don't do it because life gets in the way. But to really look at your career going forward and people now want to take more control over that outcome, that now it's really about taking a step back and doing the necessary you know, analysis planning and implementation, but it's now done in an iterative way <laughs> where you're like, wait, okay, here's here's a starting point of something. Let me try it. Do I like it? Do I not like it? Um, does it seem to fit? Okay. Certain aspects, but then let me do this again. Let me tweak it. And then I might, you know, veer over in one direction or zig to another direction, zag to another. Um, so, you know, in in sort of that big picture to manage your career is look at yourself as a CEO. You are a product and service on the web like a business and really think about that kind of broader strategic planning for yourself. So you're clear on what your, um, ultimately that sort of North Star, but yet that North Star is always changing too, how you kind of chart that path forward. I love this because I think for some of us who have been trained in this mindset and this methodology, so going through your book, I'm like, ah, I know that I know this kind of structure because of the worlds that we grew up in in terms of consumer packaged goods uh, and this kind of structure of thinking about a strategic plan, which is quite logical and 
also quite powerful. And yet I one forgets like, oh, yes, not everybody is trained to kind of think this way or to then think of our work and how we construct our lives with work and with this kind of mindset. And so I appreciate you providing people that structure and giving them this insight and pulling them to kind of say, you do have to start to take some ownership of this, right? And to start to think strategically about it. One thing I wanted to ask you as well as part of this conversation are those trends aspects of it. Because there's one thing to pause and reflect and check in with oneself, which that in and of itself can be hard to do because as you said, life takes over. And for many people, they're like, oh my gosh, I lost myself. Like life got so busy. I just never really paused to check in. Or some people frankly are a little scared to check in as well. Like they're a little scared of what they're going to find if they start to pause and reflect. Uh, But then there's the other aspect of it, which is also looking externally, which can also be a lot of work, frankly. And so I think that's why like listening to podcasts, like there's a lot of great ones out there like yours that keeping some tabs on like what's really happening out in the industries I'm working in or just in the working world. So as we look to 2024, what do you think people should be paying attention to around the future of work or new rules of work or certain trends that you think are important as they start to chart the course for 2024, Connie? Well, one in particular that's top of mind, you and I have had some conversations about this too, but a big trend for me, and this is very much at an individual level, is that importance and desire for greater human connection and well-being. We've seen, obviously, (laughs) over the pandemic, post-pandemic too, how people have felt that sense of loneliness and lack of connection because now we're in a much more sort of distributed environment in terms of the work that we do. Yet, while that can be really great for flexibility in a lot of ways, we're wired to be social. We get that energy from people. There are opportunities to really kind of be more innovative and creative. Now, obviously other people work in different ways, but I think that, we now have seen in also different forms of research that, you know, again, having a best friend at work, for example, impacts engagement. Um, we've seen the loneliness, really, I think it's more of an epidemic increase. That also impacts the level of engagement and commitment. But you're also seeing that, you know, the younger generation in particular really wants to find that sense of connection with people. And I'd say one other piece too, when it comes to well-being, the conversation around mental health, um, that conversation around you know just health in general, is not something that is taboo anymore. It's something that's a very real situation, and that those all of those aspects can have a real effect in our ability to be as productive as possible. Uh, and really achieve the outcomes that we want. So I think those things, again, it's that human aspect, I believe is going to be a important trend from an individual perspective. They're just going to be talking about it or or I think there's me, you know, articles written about it more so. Now, the thing is a lot of organizations don't necessarily, they may not invest in it. So, you know, it, it 
obviously there's trade-offs of things, right? I think I even saw statistics or some um, articles saying that employee experience, the investment employee experience is probably going to go down in 2024. That doesn't mean that the challenges that people have on a personal level aren't going to go away. At some point that'll catch up and at some point that'll impact really the outcomes that organizations are going to want to push for. So I'd say to me, that's that's probably, I think, one of the biggest trends. I really appreciate you bringing this up. And it's interesting because you do also write that the future is human and individualistic. You know, you talked about the individual aspect of it, but you're also talking about the human aspect of it in, in terms of that human connection. And one of the things, just to stay with human connection for a moment, that I think is really interesting here is this tension that exists in this flexible work environment that many of us are working in. You know, some people, and for some of us who Yes, we were sequestered during the pandemic or for even younger workers who, you know, maybe finished school during the pandemic and then their first job was actually, you know, still while they were working at home. So they don't really even know what it's completely like to be in an office or to be in community, if you will, with coworkers and what that can feel like and be like in this world of also younger people being more comfortable with digital technology and connecting digitally, texting, et cetera, and not always having face-to-face -face communication, it, it's an interesting dynamic that's kind of taking place right now in terms of what some people are more comfortable with. And mind you, I'm an introvert. Like I, I need a lot of alone time. And yet I also, I'm really in the middle. I'm an ambivert, but I also know I need to be with people for, you know, like when, if I'm alone too, too much, then that that's also not healthy for me. And so I think if people are looking forward and for their own careers and managing it, take responsibility for building community for yourself. Because as you're saying, Connie, companies may not invest in this. And so you kind of have to take some responsibility on yourself to find that human connection. But, you know, where do you find, sometimes people don't know where to find those communities and, and how to make those connections. In the research that we did, um, and this is really what are those factors that drive success for people in their work and in their life. And one of the kind of core um, drivers that we found, particularly from a career perspective, is that having that network of people to support you is really a huge lever in your ability, or at least your perceived ability to move forward. I think we all know that we can't do anything alone, particularly now in the world that we live in, it's all about collaboration, right? We, it, You have to depend on multiple cross-functional experts in order to bring together a vision or project to life. So inevitably, you need to have that. But I think for you to move in any direction you want, whether that is still continuing down the same discipline or maybe pivoting to another, you really need to have that village of support who can give you insight into what it will take to build the necessary skills and aptitude to make that pivot. But you also need the necessary village of people who can open up doors for you or who know people who could give you an opportunity to move in a different direction or 
maybe you want to take the same direction, but in a different company. But that all said, community, a village, the people part of it is such an important aspect to creating that momentum that you want, that it's something that we often forget. Because I think many times we think, okay, I need to get more education, or I need to get this particular level of experience in this skill, or I need to be in a particular environment. Well, but if you don't, first of all, I think have clarity or that plan on where it is that you might want to be moving towards, then how do you rally (laughs) or at least bring together the right people who can help you realize what it is that you want to do, right? Without that kind of understanding of where it is you might want to go. And you know what? It's it's not easy. I'm not going to say that that's an easy thing. But that's the first question I think a lot of people will ask. Subsequently, if you're able to articulate that, then they can be more clear in how they can help you. So I think your whole point of community is, to me, ties into like even a bigger thing that we all need at work and we need um, in our own lives. Yes, I so appreciate this and all of what you just shared. It's really interesting because, you know, there's been this pushback post-pandemic around this idea of like companies being your family. And yet what I get concerned about with the pushback against that is that people have almost been like, so therefore I should have no social connection at work at all. And in doing that may pull away from exactly what you just talked about, which is the importance of building a network of individuals who can support you both in your current journey and what you're doing within, you know, whatever endeavor you're, you know, pursuing right now, but also as you step away from that potentially or look at what might be next. And those connections are really, really important. And so it could very well be that that mindset of the company being your family is not the right orientation, but ensuring that you have human connection at work and you're building a network of individuals and a community. I'd rather even just say it's a community for yourself, you know, around your work. And as you're saying, in your life as well, is really important. And and I, I appreciate kind of pulling one oneself that that narrative there, if you will. You know, what you're seeing though is that particularly again, of of those people who are just coming into work or they're growing and they're actually about to take those leadership positions. Again, this younger generation, they want they want others to know who they are, not that they are only in this particular role, that they're known for the work that they do within the company, but that they want to be seen as a whole person. And I think there actually was even a statistic where um, from Gallup, where it was like 82%, I believe. So I hope this one's right. Um, But I think it was 82% of employees say it's important for organizations to see them as a whole person rather than just an employee. Because when you as an individual can share your broader interests what you do outside of work, it gives a greater context of not just who you are, but maybe some of those dynamics that could be impacting you know, what you do at work in a positive way. Or maybe there's some things that may be limiting you, not that you don't want to, but maybe you just have certain commitments that are important to your life, but we have been taught very much to hide them 
like particularly working moms, right? You, you'd never really talked about that, you know, you might have a sick child or, or you try to mask all that. You'd feel guilty <laughs> if anything related to, you know, you taking care of your kids, like that scene is a negative, right? But that's just a part of who you are. And that does have an impact on your ability sometimes to um, be able to to take on certain responsibilities and so forth. So I think that that's just important where when you as a leader in particular, have a better sense of who really your team is and what are the the attitudes, motivations, sort of behaviors, like what drives them? Because it's not just the work that they have, but they have a, a life outside of work. It gives you a better understanding potentially of how to motivate them and also might give you insight on areas of opportunity to put them in or skills that they might have that you didn't even know of because you're now seeing them in a much more expansive way versus just what they do for the company. I want to connect this with a couple of things you had in your book. One was you had a stat around 95% of respondents said feeling like being themselves at work directly impacts their engagement. And then you also talk about how one of your final tips was make diversity in all things a priority. And I almost feel like diversity on a broader level, allowing for more ways of working, more voices. Like, I think that's still not fully tapped um, and I'm going beyond DEI here when I say that. And what I appreciate about what you just shared is there's a combination of being their full self and also, and in doing that, allowing for seeing even more diversity by allowing for that visibility of being seen and being known at work on a more holistic level. And so just making that connection. And I I wonder, as we kind of start to wrap up and look at tips for looking ahead for the new year, when you think about people stepping into and being allowed to, or even allowing themselves to bring their whole self to work, is there a tip that you would have around that? Like, how can people step into bringing their whole self to work? I guess this is in sort of that wisdom from Brene Brown. It's not easy for us to do, but where do you feel you can be a little more vulnerable and share some of those aspects of you, whether it is, um, whether it's a skill or whether it's approach or whatever it may be, but you know, where you feel that you can share like, Hey, you know, this is where I'm not comfortable, or this is where I feel it might hold me back, but I would love to work with you on, you know, improving that or, or find ways where we can kind of positively move forward and, and not always see a vulnerability as a negative, but that's hard. I mean, and I won't, I won't say that's necessarily easy because I think we're still very much taught to um, hold back a vulnerability because it can be seen as a weakness. But until I think you can be more open uh, and, and share maybe what you feel are those things that may be inhibiting you for whatever reason, you're never going to feel like you can kind of be in a flow to some degree. Again, can be easier said than done. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say that. Oh, yeah, it's just as easy as this. But that's one thing that I have found is that when you have employees, so as a leader, you have employees that to some degree are more open to sharing what might be going on. Now, there's also an, I, there's also oversharing. <laughs> there can be way too much oversharing. But when you have a little more context and they can give you a little more perspective of what might be limiting them, 
it gives you a greater context of how to work with them and identify those trends and again, help them move forward. And you're going to build a better connection and relationship with them too. To close out, Connie, as we look to this new year ahead, what would you hope people do with this newfound knowledge that we've shared today and to help them set up to perhaps stepping into fluidity and being the CEO of their career? Do you have a parting tip that you'd like to share? I don't know if I have a specific tip, but I would say that I hope that this knowledge that people have gained, that it enables them to find that career life fit. Because I believe that's what everybody's really trying to strive for um, and that this can serve as a tool for you and hopefully the book can serve as a tool for you to realize that there is an approach that you can take to help you identify some of those important trends or maybe help you realize certain um, goals that you may have or something to really kind of understand you better so that you can move forward. But um, maybe I do have one like last word of wisdom. Um, And it's really about from Bruce Lee, be water to some degree. When I saw that and I thought about what he actually meant, it's this idea of being in flow. I think we all want to try to find that flow. It's not easy. I think we'll always run into friction throughout our lives. But if you can think about that mantra, which ties to fluidity, and realize that, wait, you know what? I can shape who I want to be, or at least find ways to help me move in that direction. I think you'll get closer to uh, finding that fit that you're looking for. I love that as a parting word. And for me, my hope is that people find more ease as they go on this journey. And I think this mantra of be water and find your flow in this can hopefully help people relax a little bit um, and and enjoy the ride a little bit more. So Connie, this has been such a wonderful conversation. Thank you for having it with me. I know if people want to keep in touch, they can find you at ConnieWSteel.com. And I will, you know, certainly share that in the show notes. Um, So thank you again for this conversation. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. I had an amazing time. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Connie and took away as many new insights as I did. Between this conversation, Connie's book, her research, and even listening to our podcast, there's a lot of great insights that she shares. I was really encouraged by this concept of fluidity that she was sharing, and I was really happy to hear how she says that younger generations are really embracing this concept of fluidity around how they're thinking about navigating their life and work. I love that people are embracing more of the fact that their work and careers don't have to be these choices of singular paths, but rather that they can embrace these ands and that they can choose to do more than one thing. I was first introduced to this concept about 15 years ago by Marcy Albaher and her book, One Person, Multiple Careers. And she used to talk about it as being a slash career. And it was the first time that I felt like I was understood, like I was allowed to have multiple interests and multiple aspects of myself that I could go and explore as part of a career. We talk about it, I think, today more as like a portfolio career. But I think the way that Connie is talking about it here is also this sense of fluidity. 
and how more of us are embracing this. When Marcy was talking about it, I think it was a much more unusual thing. There were a few of us that were kind of doing it, if you will. I wasn't even one of those people yet. I'm doing that today. Uh, but I think what Connie is suggesting is this is becoming a much more normalized way of managing one's career. I think it's an interesting way to think about it, especially as you think about that other aspect that Connie mentioned, which is that we are a product or a service, or we are a brand and almost a business, if you will, as we are operating out in the marketplace as a worker, or if we are self-employed or a freelancer, you know, we do have to be, as she's saying, the CEO of ourselves. How do we think about ourselves and how do we position ourselves in the marketplace? How are we shaping this career and stepping into this fluidity so that we can operate and be successful in this future of work that is taking shape? I was wondering for you all listening, if you haven't embraced this idea of fluidity yet, I wonder if it could be a challenge for yourself this year to think about how are you going to be fluid this year? How might your identity be changing? Or how might you want to reshape your life and work and be more fluid this year, allowing yourself to change into who you want to become next? Might be an interesting inquiry to play with. The other concept that I wanted to pull forward from today's conversation was when we were talking about connection in this human side of the workplace. And I found it interesting that Connie was sharing that some companies are likely not going to be investing as much in employee experience this year, or that they might not be investing as much in helping their employees connect with each other and build community. And as she and I were talking about, it's such an important aspect of having fulfillment and satisfaction at work, that we feel connected with others, that as Gallup says, you know, we have a best friend at work. So I'm curious if you're feeling this too, and just feeling a desire for connection with others. And I might suggest that this could be an interesting challenge for yourself as well, which is instead of looking for others to create this for you, be it someone else or your company, how can you too invest in connecting with those around you? Who are the people that you want to surround yourself with and be connected to and be in conversation with this year? So that's what stood out for me today. I'm curious what might have stood out for you. Perhaps pause and reflect on a key insight that caught your attention and that you want to take forward and take action on in the coming weeks. With that, as always, thank you for being here with me at the start of this year to learn from Connie Steele. I'll be back in your feed in two weeks with a solo show on sustainable ambition. In the meantime, you can find show notes for this and other episodes at sustainableambition.com slash podcast. And make sure you don't miss an episode or my insider tips, guides, and tools by signing up for Sustainable Ambition Forum, my twice monthly newsletter. You can sign up at sustainableambition.com slash subscribe. I look forward to seeing you next time. Cheers. Cheers.